This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. There is no question that artists of all kinds provide great qualities to our society, but there is a business side to the art world that sometimes artists may not consider. It include things like health and life insurance, savings for retirement, recovering from a disaster, and others. So what can be done to try and eliminate this problem in the art world? Jennifer Simon is Director of Programs at Outre- and Outreach at Surf Plus, C-E-R-F Plus, which is an organization that looks to help out artists, or as they call it, uh, help provide them with a safety net. She joins us on the phone right now. And also with us is Gazem Saka, who's a senior lecturer in economics here at the University of Pennsylvania and here at the Wharton School. And she just happens to be an artist herself. And it's great to have both of them joining us here on the show. Jennifer, Gazem, great to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you. Jennifer, I guess let's start out. How big a concern is this right now uh, amongst the artist community? And and roughly how many artists are you working with right now to to really provide these services? Well, after Hurricane Hurricane Katrina, it became really evident that artists weren't really represented at the emergency relief table. So a bunch of different arts organizations um, started a, a national coalition for artist preparedness and response. And that's when we really got to see um, artists uh, be effective, especially in uh, Louisiana with jazz artists. Um, we directly help uh, about 50 artists per year with our direct emergency relief financial assistance. But we help hundreds of artists throughout the year with preparedness. How does that actually play out? I mean, I mean, what are the what are the elements that that you use to help artists out? Sure. Well, the first is our um, emergency relief grant. So um, an artist can get up to six thousand um, dollars within two weeks of submitting their application. So there's direct funds to use as they wish. We don't prescribe how the funds are used. Um, to kind of get them started in their recovery. Um, we also provide training, advocacy, education. Um, our website, um, the Studio Protector, has a lot of um, vetted resources, and, and we're neutral in that. We don't you know, specify one or the other. We just want artists to be educated yeah. and make good choices. Well, and I guess to a degree, uh, when when artists reach out to you, there is maybe even a little level of surprise or uh, a lack of understanding in terms of things that they may not have thought about in terms of their preparedness on a variety of different levels. Absolutely. I'd say the first one is business insurance. So when an artist has, you know, a studio fire or an injury and they're unable to make their work and create a livelihood for themselves to support themselves, they, if they don't have business insurance, there's no coverage for that lost time or to replace equipment. Um, so that's the number one thing that we see artists not have. And it's inexpensive. It can be done. Um, it's a protection that all artists should have. Because, um, I mean, being involved in economics here at Wharton and being an artist yourself, uh, have you seen the, these types of issues pop up? Um, yes, absolutely. Especially, actually, during the aftermath of the recent recession, I mean, the Great Recession, we saw both organizations and individuals looking into revenue generation models. So it's definitely insurance problems, but much more. Uh, so people, artists are being more interested in financial solvency and business issues than before. Um, I guess traditionally the artist was seen as this type of person who was aloof or being unaware of the real world gave them some X factor, but not anymore because there are more than 2 million artists in the U.S. and they have to 
survive somehow. And according to data, we know that only 40% of them will remain as working artists within five years, and only 10% of them will persist in the long run. So without a business plan, they won't get to practice their art in the near future, and that should be a warning sign. But, but I read that, that some schools are actually, some art schools are actually incorporating business elements into uh, their their normal criteria just to, to help artists understand that this is something that they, they need to consider. Absolutely. I think every art program in the country should have a business class for their students, and that's for the students' benefit and therefore for our culture's benefit because the market is evolving very fast. Um, it's becoming difficult for artists in the sense that they are now supplying their labor in an increasingly flexible way, sometimes by the hour or on a per-project basis, so they don't have long-term employment. You can think of them as freelancers, and a big portion of them need to work outside the art sector to support themselves. So we are modeling the art world almost like a spot market now. Um, so definitely schools need to get into that within the arts majors, not only with the business program. Is Jennifer, is having a business plan, and, and I think a, a lot of people would sit back and say, wow, that's that's a little bit surprising, but is having just a, a basic business plan, or at least one that is uh, kind of formed out a little bit, is that a problem that you see as well with, with some artists? I think it's definitely uh, something that not all art students are getting in the undergraduate or graduate programs because, first of all, a lot of faculty don't feel that it's their job. They're there to teach the student about the art form itself. But then there is increasing pressure, um, you know, with career services and alumni to show that the artists are getting jobs and are um, creating for themselves a business that they can thrive on. So, for example, who's their customer, knowing their market? Um, what are their costs? What's their overhead? What should they charge? These are all critical and should be informed decisions, not things that an artist feels vulnerable to quickly answer. It should be planned out and, and made to be something that they um, are intentional about. Tell, tell us about your organization in general, because it, it, looking at the website, there are a variety of different programs that that you run to to kind of help artists on a variety of different platforms. I mean, obviously there there are the grants that you mentioned, but there is a there's a learning element to this as well. Absolutely, um, I would say studio safety. Um, after you know the fortunate um, events at the Ghost Ship in Oakland, um, is oh, a yeah. huge huge issue. Yeah. Um, is you know, artists are looking for space that's cheap, that's in an environment where it's creative, and that often means that, you know, there might not be a lease, the building might not be up to code. So we're also educating artists to be really informed about the studios, um, that they, you know, use our studio safety guide and make sure that they're informed about the space they're going to be inhabiting and who else is in that space as well. Well, I mean, there's also a variety of concerns is over insurance products, as uh, as Jennifer mentioned. I mean, if you have a studio and, you know, you need to think about having the proper insurance to be able to cover that space, but also to be able to cover the art that you actually have produced. I think the last thing that any artist wants to have happen is to get a project almost done, have something happen, whether it be a pipe burst or, or a fire of some kind, and that art is destroyed and not covered. Yeah, but there are, I mean, exactly, there are so many hidden costs. I mean, when you, even when you're working in your studio, you need coverage for your assets. Obviously, your artworks are your assets. But then most artists must handle insurance during transportation of the asset, let's say, to the gallery. And this can be costly due to higher possibility of damage. And when you have a business, you need insurance for the business liability. 
even when you're working from home, for example, a studio is not officially a residential space, so right. damage wouldn't be covered under your normal domestic policy, which most artists assume otherwise. Or even when you teach an art class, you need public liability insurance, you need business interruption insurance. Um, so many areas you need to cover yourself. And it's kind of impossible to relate all of this to the students during their tenure in college because the universities and public funds cover almost all of these costs for the young artists. So unfortunately, there's this misperception that they can afford a 24-7 studio because they had one at Penn or somewhere else. Right. Or And they can transport their artwork to the gallery for free. And then that they don't have to worry about their public sculpture falling on someone's foot or something, you know, and causing damage, because all of that would have been taken care of by the public funds. Um, but, um, yeah, they, they, there is so much, so many hidden, hidden insurance problems that they need to be aware of. Well, and, and one of the pro- programs, Jennifer, that you have is called Covering Your A's, Art Assets and Archives, which I guess to a degree is, is an offshoot of what we were just talking about there. Absolutely, and it's not the traditional uh, professional development practice uh, workshop in terms of marketing and business plan. It's really about managing risk and identifying what you can least afford to lose. So we talk about documentation and and safe safe storage, um, artist health and wellness. A lot of artists use, you know, repetitive motions and, and are experiencing, you know, issues with their body. So if they have an injury or if you know, they're not ergonomically set up correctly, you know, that could be affecting their ability to make work or make a certain quantity of work. Um, so, you know, it's definitely a space that Surf Plus is, is you know, excited to be in because there is such a need. And a lot of universities are paying attention to the studio safety issue because of, you know, the issues that have, have been going on. And, and I would say to artists, you know, the first thing they could do is talk to a financial advisor, especially, right. you know, if you're leaving school in debt, um, you know, $100,000 or whatever, you know, you, you don't have a lot of money to throw around, so you want to be sure you're using it wisely. But probably also, just going back to the, the studio space, you know, it's probably good to, to get involved with a real estate, a good real estate person, so that you can find the proper space, but also the one that is, you know, reasonably priced that you can afford as well. Absolutely. Absolutely, which is incredibly difficult because we, as we all know, you know, artists get priced out of their studios when gentrification happens, but then artists were the ones part of gentrifying it because they help make it, you know, hip and creative and inhabitable. So, you know, that's another problem is, you know, where can artists uh, afford to work these days? Uh, you mentioned Hurricane Katrina and the the offshoot of problems that you saw uh, in the wake of that with uh, with uh, artists uh, down in New Orleans. Uh, with some of the people that you had the opportunity to work with, how have they responded uh, from that disaster? Which it's amazing. It, it's you know it's been quite a period of time, yet there are still people down in New Orleans that are still feeling the impact from that storm. Absolutely. You know, it takes about 10 years for an artist that has had a, a disaster to truly recover. Um, you know, they, they're going to have a new normal. They're not going to get back to where they was where they were. Um, a lot of artists stayed there um, because they felt, you know, a loyalty to their community uh, to help out. Um, you know, many artists are a little bit better off in that they know what precautions to take, but still many. I know artists that have had disasters from Hurricane Sandy, they still don't have business insurance. So there's always education to be done. Well, then I guess, I guess the people that uh, the artists that were affected in Superstorm Sandy are still going through that process now. 
Absolutely. Um, they, you know, it takes a, a long time to build back their studio, to build back their business. You know, a lot of artists may have had, you know, wholesale orders or commissions that were delayed or canceled, you know, as a result. So we have one artist in, in Boulder, Colorado, that put his work in a studio just for a couple months while he um, started a new professorship. Studio fire, everything ruined. He's starting over. There is also the part to this, Gazemme, because we hear so often how the art world and artists are a truly a community. And when you're talking about uh, something like this, like this program with Surf, but also just the, the community in general and, and dealing with storms, these are people that, that really need to at times rely on one another, come together and support one another in tough times. Yes, there are communities, luckily both online and in real life, I mean in the physical space, where artists support each other and um, they guide each other about like how to pay back the debt um, and so forth. Um, we also need communities to help artists procure secondary jobs, though, because many of them, about three-quarters of them, will need it. Uh, so I'm just looking at very large-scale data here. Um, and um, the... Um, the artists, on average, they're more skilled than the general working population. About 60% of them hold at least a bachelor's degree, so they'll get good secondary jobs. Um, and this uh, peer support will become much more crucial, again, looking at the very big picture, if uh, we lose the national endowment of the arts funding, as Trump has proposed for the 2018 budget. Uh, because the, the National Endowment sends money to the states who then provide emergency relief for artists. And uh, they try to reach a bigger group of artists by providing smaller funds. So something like $500 could go to an artist as an emergency relief. Um, but if we lose that, that, um, that sets us back definitely. So peer support is good, but we do need also organized um, federal and state support for and, the artists. And Jennifer, I'm guessing that in part, you know, some of the funding for these grants uh, has to come from the private sector uh, to be able to support these initiatives, correct? Absolutely. Our organization, Surf Plus, is pretty unique in that we're a nonprofit that relies heavily on individual donations. About 70% of our contributed income is individuals. Um, over half are wish are artists. So this is really a mutual aid kind of pay-it-forward organization that, you know, people, artists hope that they never have to use us. But um, if they do, you know, they are, you know, most artists who receive our assistance will say it's, it's not so much the dollar amount, although that helps. It's knowing that somebody cared because, you know, artists are, are very um, apt to doubt themselves. And so right. when you're at your low and somebody, you know, gives you that sign of support, their community uh, just raises them up and it makes a huge difference. The, the, the interesting thing in looking at uh, the website is I think in general, Jennifer, there is a, a mindset by a lot of people when you think about artists, they think about truly they think about artists, painters. Uh, yeah. You mentioned in the wake of Katrina in uh, in New Orleans, uh, the jazz community, jazz musicians uh, were obviously impacted. There's a variety. I mean, you are based in Vermont. There are quite a few woodworkers that are that are up in in that in New England. You know that could be impacted by a variety of things. So it's not just artists. I mean, it's it's a larger community than probably a lot of people really think about. Right. Um, we focus on, you know, studio artists and artists working in craft disciplines, but you have musicians, you have actors, you know, all of whom, um, you know, studies showed that after, uh, I think it was Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Sandy, people look to those groups for hope and healing. 
So, you know, artists um, are the first ones to, to jump up and help their community when, when they're in need. So um, it's, it's absolutely um, something that happens. I'm guessing, Yosem, you've, you've been in a situation once or twice where you've seen an artist that, that may be in trouble for, you know, whatever the, the reason may be in terms of uh, financially getting the business off the ground uh, and, and probably have, have tried to step in and help that person where you can. The... Um the, yes, the best thing is to give them a financial plan, actually. And many of our students at, uh, at Wharton have um, in, expressed interest in starting business that is related to art. Uh, so they may be artists or they may be interested in starting an auction house or a space where art is bought and sold, or they want to start a virtual space where people can see concerts, etc. So um, as you mentioned before, art is a more general category than we assume. So we yeah. only think about fine art when we say art, but both the labor department here in the U.S. and the National Endowment of the Arts have a very wide category uh, that includes architects and artists and authors, dancers, designers, etc. Uh, so it's it's um, a big uh, it's a big business. And one thing that we can do is to facilitate the um, private funding to channel to the artist. Um, the the problem there is to get a wide variety. So the the one problem with the market is that about 50% of the individual gifts and grants go to the top 2% of institutions. So right. what we need is to give more equally. Um, to people, especially who are not living in large cities. So is this, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like, I mean, is this something that not only art schools should really consider, but maybe even partnerships with, with other in, uh, colleges and institutions to be able to try and provide this information uh, as, a, as a class uh, so that uh, artists can, can really gain this information moving forward? Not only exactly, not only artists, but who, uh, whoever wants to work in an art-related profession, uh, that right. could be insurance work uh, about the art. That could be again auction house, you know, um, uh, membership. It, that that could be anything that relates to the art. But the artist, for sure, yeah. um, you could you you could be a dealer, you could be a gallery owner. You need to have the business aspect of it done. Jennifer. Yeah, yeah, we're really talking about the creative economy. And, you know, there are a lot of great art programs there that are um, creating, you know, entrepreneur or entrepreneur programs where it is very much um, business and art. You know, they, they want, um, like Yazim was saying, you know, artists fully aware of what they're getting into. And there are a lot of uh, savvy artists that are in incubators and, you know, social enterprise or um, social justice um, that are getting funding and are really smart about what they need to do. They're not playing the victim. They kind of know that they're not going to make uh, a living off of their art, per se. Right. Well, and, and I, I guess, as you kind of alluded to, Jennifer, it becomes even more important now with the way the, the economy has kind of shifted and more people deciding that they don't want to work the traditional nine to five in the office type job. They want to be out and working on on their own and you know it could be an artist could be an uber driver could be a variety of different things yeah there was a big um uh you know article i think in, in the harvard business review a while ago about you know the mfa's new mba and how you know facebook has artists in residence google has artists in residence and the mix between the two in terms of creativity um uh is is really something that's um evident right now and, and each can learn so much from the other Great to have you both with us today. Jennifer, thank you very much. Gizem, I appreciate your time as well. Thank you both. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so thank much. You. Thank you. Jennifer Simon, Director of Programs and Outreach at Surf Plus. 
Uh, as we mentioned, organization that looks out for artists, uh, the Artist Safety Net. Gazem Saka, who's a senior lecturer in economics uh, here at the University of Pennsylvania and right here at the Wharton School. Uh, it is a, it's a very important uh, topic to, to really bring forth. And by the way, we should uh, in part say thank you uh, to our friends at Orange Genius. Uh, this is part of a, a collaboration, content collaboration between Knowledge of Wharton and Orange Genius, which is a platform that helps artists and artist organizations gain knowledge uh, about business. So many thanks to them in their assistance in putting this together. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.